Well, uh, here we are again, and things aren't exactly great. Episode 532, we're going to talk some Yankees. Um, you know, one of the reasons I like to wait until the next day when the Yankees have a day off the next day following a series is so I can gather my thoughts and be more rational and reasonable the next day. Um, can't say that I, I really feel that much better, um, but we'll talk. We'll talk through it, and maybe we'll start feeling better as we discuss this series uh, that took place this past weekend at Yankee Stadium against the Boston Red Sox for the first time. Episode 532 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. Let's get into the show. Intro. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, Turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, Oh man, alright, <clears throat> so we're getting into it right away, episode 532 of the podcast, welcome to the show, I'm your host, now if I do look up, now this is if you're watching the video format of the podcast on YouTube, if I look up at the TV screen every once in a while is because I'm watching, what is it, game six or something? Game six, game five, game six of the NBA Finals. Um, game five, Nuggets heat. Nuggets are up 3-1 in the series, and they're up 16-10 in the first quarter at the moment. So if I look up a lot, it's because I'm watching the Finals. Um, this is kind of like my first time. I've, I've had no interest watching this series for some reason. I just don't feel like Denver-Miami is... Exciting. I don't know. There's no market. Um, but yeah, I'm watching it. So bear with me here if you're watching the video format. If you're listening to the podcast, then you're good. But um, man, uh, you know, this was weird. I like, listen, I'm not one to say, because you kind of hear this a little more today the Yankees Red Sox rivalry is dead. It's dead. Because I think when you have two teams existing for so long, there are bound to be down periods where one, if not both, of the teams aren't great. And this is just one of them. Um, so I don't think the rivalry is completely dead. I think it's quiet right now. But I think you go through ups and downs and different kinds of waves during the course of a long-term rivalry with you know two pioneer teams. Um, and right now, <laughs> this wasn't a good look for the rivalry. I can put it that way. Um, I mean, these games were on national TV this weekend. Um, game two was on Fox. Game three was on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. They were hyping it. You had the promos, the montages. I mean, it wasn't a good look because, I mean, you had, these are two pretty mediocre teams right now playing bad, ugly baseball this past weekend. Uh, there wasn't any excitement. There was no pop, no life, flat. Um, 
Now, I understand pitchers' duels are fun. No team scored over three runs in this series, but it didn't feel like great pitching. It just felt like bad players were out there. Like, there was no stars out there. You didn't have Aaron Judge. Giancarlo Stanton hasn't been Giancarlo Stanton in a few years. Josh Donaldson's well. Like, the, the star power wasn't there. Um, the Red Sox just, they're a last place team. They don't have the, the, the stars. They have Devers. But it just, the pop wasn't there. Um, and the Yankees lose two out of three. That's the most important thing that we're going to discuss. So we're going to go over the series games one to three. We'll do all that. And then when we're done wrapping up the series, um, we, we got some talking points I want to go over and run through. And hopefully this episode is no longer than 45 minutes. I want to try to get everything I can in, but we'll see how this goes. So, um, I figured we'd jump right into it. The first game of the series, the Yankees lost 3-2 to two to Boston. Um, eh, trying to remember this. It was Garrett Cole versus um, Whitlock. Yeah. Former Yankee prospect. Um, <laughs> top of the fourth inning, you had the... Um, yeah, the base hit to put Boston on the board, one nothing. Top of the sixth, Garrett Cole once again pitching to Rafael Devers, and he gets bit. Home run, uh, two nothing Yankees. That kid just kills the Yankees. He kills Garrett Cole. Um, bottom of the inning, though, Josh Donaldson goes deep, who hits Boston well, and it's two to one. Cole is done after six. Uh, in came Albert Abreu for whatever reason to let up another home run. I don't think anybody was shocked there. This one to Hernandez, and it made it three to one Boston. Bottom of the seventh, the Yankees score off the wild pitch. They make it three two. Bottom of the ninth, the Yankees rally a little bit on uh, Kenley Jansen with two outs, but they come up completely empty. Uh, you had McK- uh, Billy McKinney. He singles. Oswaldo pinch runs for him. Glaber pinch hit singles after that to put two on base for Volpe. And then Volpe, after just missing a walk-off home run, which would have been his Yankees moment. Uh, And he missed a few good pitches in that at-bat, too. He ends the game on a feeble pop-up to shortstop. Uh, He ended two games in this series that we'll, of course, talk about. Um, And the Yankees lose, 3-2. Two runs on nine hits, one home run, one walk, seven strikeouts, and they were 0 for 3 in scoring position. Um, DJ LeMayu, in this game at least, had a much-needed two-hit performance, although he didn't come through late. Um, IKF had a two-hit game. Donaldson had the lone RBI with the lone home run in the sixth inning. And that was really it for the bats. Um, (laughs) That was about it. Garrett Cole. Another strong start, six innings, two runs, seven hits, a walk, one home run, but he was handed his first loss. Uh, he pitched fine, man. You can't get on him too much, uh, but he just ha- he, he's got to figure out a way to pitch to Devers, simply put. And I'm not saying pitch, pitch, I'm not for like the intentional walk shit, but like pitch around him, man up and get it done. Go be an ace. You're Garrett Cole. You're a top guy in this game. 
do your job better. You got it's just time after time Devers is finding a way to get to him. But he did well. I can't be pissed off at his performance. He continues to have a very great season. Um it, it's, you know, maybe it's not Cy Young caliber anymore, but you know, he's 7 and 1 with an ERA of 280 something. Um still a very good season. But yeah, falls to 7 and 1. That was his first loss on the year, so that sucks, but that was all for the first game of the series. The Yankees actually won the second game of this series by a score of 3 to 1. Yankees 3, Red Sox 1. Um Domingo Herman went up against Tanner Houck. In the bottom of the fourth, Glaber Torres goes deep for the big one nothing lead. Going the opposite way, I say big because one run in this game felt like five. Um, with the amount of offense the Yankees have lacked. Uh, because, you know, top of the six comes. And Devers, of course, bites Herman with the home run to tie the game. Um, I... <laughs> Uh, fortunately, it was all Yankees from there. This time, Willie Calhoun goes deep as he continues to hit. He puts the Yankees up 2-1 to one in the bottom of the 6th. Bottom of the 7th, you get the tack-on run when Higashioka ground ball singles up the middle. Um, IKF, who singled to begin the inning, scores from second base off some good base running. Uh, the Yankees go Herman for 6, then Peralta, Kane Holmes for an inning each in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. And they win 3-1. to one. Uh, Offensively, three runs on six hits, a walk, seven strikeouts. One for three in scoring position. Glaber Torres, two for four, an RBI, a solo shot. Calhoun, one for three, an RBI, the solo shot. Higashioka, one for two, the RBI base hit, plus the lone Yankee walk in this game. Billy McKinney was one for three with another extra base hit. This time a double. IKF had a hit, some good base running. Stanton was 0 for 2, hit by a pitch. Um, Domingo Herman, we'll talk about him. Uh, six innings, one run, six hits, a walk, five Ks. Got the win, the air raid down to 349. Uh, the bullpen, Peralta, got two quick outs, I believe, before he had a hell of a chess match with uh, Masataka Yoshida. Took a lot out of him, you could tell. He ended up walking him on the, I want to say, the 14th pitch of the at-bat. And then he kind of walked the next batter, and he was a little gassed. I would have pulled him there. He looked kind of gassed. I think Smoltz said he had 30-something pitches. But he ended up getting the job done. Canely after that, clean inning in the eighth there. That changeup is looking good. Uh, he was very heavy with the changeup in this game. Rarely used that fastball. And then Holmes looked good with that sinker. Uh, mixed in some curveballs. He also faced Yoshida. But he made him look pretty foolish. Um... With the strikeout. Uh, Holmes has been getting more ninth innings lately. And again, I just get this bad feeling the Yankees are going to put him back there full time again. I'll never trust him in the ninth. The stuff's fantastic, but he just doesn't have the command for me to trust him against a good hitting team. He's having a solid year, though, so good for him. And we'll talk more on Clay Holmes later, maybe. Um, And then game three. The Yankees lose three to two. On Sunday night on ESPN. Uh, he had Clark Schmidt on the mound for the Yankees. Surrenders a leadoff double to begin the game the first to Duran. But he ends up escaping it. Uh, eventually gets Rafael Devers to strike out for the third out. 
Justin Turner, though, went deep in the second inning to put Boston up 1-0. But in the bottom of the half, a bottom half of the inning, McKinney doubles, and then Jose Trevino singles off the second base bag for the 2-1 Yankee lead. <laughs> that was all for the Yankees. Um, McKinney actually almost doubled in the fourth inning, too, but it was uh, Yoshida who robbed him of that hit. Schmidt was done after getting an out in the sixth inning. Uh, Rizzo and his horrendous base running continued to kill the Yankees. Uh, this was in the bottom of the sixth. He gets caught at second base in a rundown. And then you had another dumbass, typical Yankees having no fundamentals move in the eighth inning. Glaber makes this inexcusable mistake, which eventually allows the base runner to move up. And that's how that run scores. Um, King blows it there. Boston ties the game. Holmes throws a perfect ninth, but the Yankees go 1-2-3 in the bottom of the ninth. And then Marinaccio, top of the 10th inning, once again, unable to protect the lead in extras. He's not been great. Uh, he chokes it away as the fake base runner scores off the base hit. And Boston's up 3-2. Yankees in the ninth inning put together some of the worst at-bats you're going to see professional ball players put up. Um, Jose Trevino put up a cut-worthy at-bat. Really did, as he strikes out on three pitches. It was horrendous. I don't know what that was. And then Anthony Volpe strikes out very easily as well. It was not much better. It was a very uncompetitive at bat up there, and that ends the game. The Yankees lose three two. Um, Clark Schmidt five and a third, one run. I didn't expect this against a good Boston lineup that features a ton of left-handed hitters, but Clark Schmidt. Passed the test. This was a test for him. I wanted to see what he could do against Boston, who had six out of nine lefties out there. Six lefties out of the nine hitters they had out there. He still got it done. So, listen, he's been pretty good lately. He's really done a nice job of turning his season around. I will give him that. That's now seven of eight starts. Since the beginning of May, where he's allowed three runs or less. So, pretty good stuff. Five starts in a row have been very good. Uh, His command has improved a ton. You know, he's dotting the edges of the plate. His pitch mix is better. He's not just cutter heavy, as he once was earlier in the season, going cutter heavy to the lefty. And he's getting lefties out more now. I mean, that's been something he's improved upon, so... It's kind of gotten to a point with Clark Schmidt where I'm not dreading his starts anymore. Um, Like, he takes the mound, and I'm not like, oh, this is an automatic, you know, 5 nothing loss. It just sucks because, you know, Clark Schmidt going 5 and a third, one-run ball, that should have been enough for the Yankees to win. But unfortunately, they have a very lackluster, underachieving offense, and we're going to talk about that right now as soon as we get back from break. Stay with us. Episode 532 of the podcast, BD4. We'll talk some Yankee bats when we return. Be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. 
And listen, um, the Yankee lineup is, oh, it's struggling. It continues to struggle. I mean, this offense sucks. And I, I get that Aaron Judge is great. You know, some would even say he's so good he's worth two players. But some people act like we're the Oakland A's without him, name-wise. Like, we've still got names in there to where performances like this past weekend and against the Chicago White Sox shouldn't happen. We've still got names to where they should still be capable of putting up four to five runs against this schedule we have this month. Stanton is in there. He's got to step up. I look at him first. Because he's not been there a lot these past few years. And he's been underwhelming these past few years. And it's at a point where it's kind of unacceptable for him to be anything but scorching hot when he plays. Because we need something at this point. you got to start winning the fans back a little bit. Now Stanton has been very good in a few postseasons for the Yankees. Right, He's had some moments, man. He's had good postseasons. But this season, you know... We got to play with a little urgency because we're still, you got to get there first, right? And you're looking at Stanton as as the lone big bopper now with no judge. He's done it before where he's put the Yankees on his back and he's he's produced. He's got to show. He's got to start winning some fans back. Show us that you still have something left. Show us you're not washed up. I'm looking at Giancarlo as the guy who has to get hot right now. We need him. We need him. Um, Rizzo has been dreadful. He's on this hitless streak, the longest of his career, I think Smoltz said. Um, I don't know what's going on. I think he'll be okay. Um, I, I want to say part of it is just law of averages. Like he was up to 305 or 310 or something like that on the season. Rizzo in his prime never even hit above there. So I think some of that is just the baseball gods saying, okay, you're not a 310 hitter. That's just how this shit works. It's like regression to the mean. But at the same time, it kind of does concern me because this slump has come at the same exact time where he's come back from that neck injury that happened against San Diego. So we got to see what's up with him. Hopefully he's good. Hopefully he takes today the day off um, to rest up and he's good for the Mets series and We'll see. Uh, Glaber needs to get really hot. He's been okay lately. He's not hot, though. We need him to get hot. Um, Those are the three aims that need to step up. Volpe is at a point where he almost needs to be demoted at this point. It's not just a preference for me anymore. I think he has to. I mean, you go up and down the order, though, and, and you look at these numbers. Look at these averages, these batting averages, and tell me you're confident that this lineup can hit good pitching. And this is, again, this is with Judge and Bader or whatever. It doesn't matter. All Judge and Bader do when they come back is is mask the Yankees' deficiencies. They still have deficiencies, healthy or not. You know, the Yankees are 23rd in batting average, and they're 27th in on base. That was still there when Judge was here. They used to walk, at least. Like, last year, they still walked a ton. Previous years, they, they they were able to, you know, be tough. They were tough outs because they drove up the pitch count and they tired out starting pitching. But they're not hitting starting pitching this year. We've got absolute nobody shutting them down lately. 
it's given me very like 2021 vibes. Boring, dead, no excitement, no consistency in the offense. But hey, you're going to have streaks like this when you build a team so often reliant on that three true outcome philosophy. That's what you're going to get. And with Aaron Judge, your only true 300 hitter, now out a while, the ugliness of that is really, really starting to show. I'm just getting a little tired of having guys who do nothing but hit home runs or bust. Guys who aren't athletic. Guys who aren't true baseball players. Forget true outcome players. We need true ball players. How many Yankees are currently hitting consistently and playing good defense? Can't really name a ton of them. Right? How many good baseball players do they have? Not Stanton. Not Donald. So like good all-around players. Not Torres. Not anybody in that makeshift outfield. Rizzo, that's that's maybe it. And he's currently, again, on, on one of the worst streaks of his career. So you're looking at the Yankee lineup right now, and as I said, they absolutely need their big two and a half. That's what I call it, their big two and a half without Judge. It's it's uh, Stanton Torres Rizzo. Count Torres is the half because I don't think he's on the level they are. But you need those three guys to come together. And what have they done together since Judge went down? Well, I got the number right here. Rizzo, Stanton, and Torres. In Aaron Judge's absence since that LA series, have combined to bat 094. Six for 64. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. I don't get it, dude. For some reason, whenever Judge sits, these guys, good hitters, by the way, completely forget how to hit. I know he provides protection and they see different pitches when he's there and not, but still, you're a major league hitter. You know, these are all-stars. They need to figure it out, and it cannot go on for a day longer if the Yankees want a chance in this division to at least grab second place, because I've kind of given up on first place, by the way. I do not think that's happening anymore. They got to figure it out. The bottom of the order has has been the only few guys who've been producing the little runs the Yankees have been scoring. I'll give them that. Bowers, Calhoun, the catchers have had moments lately. McKinney, like, they've been actually doing some shit. Cabrera, but come on. That's not sustainable. The big guys have got to step this up. And I haven't even mentioned Donaldson and LeMayu yet, who I think are both absolutely washed up. Donaldson's not doing anything if it's not out of the park. And LeMayu, I don't know what happened to him, but he has regressed. He's old. That's what happened to him. And with Anthony Volpe, it's been bad. It's been bad. And I think I think you have to be ready to send him down for the remainder of the season if you're the Yankees. Even if you do send him down and if he starts hitting down there, I wouldn't promote him. I'd send him down regardless of how well he does down there. Let him develop there. Let him finish out the year down below. Because I'm kind of tired of watching him strike out, pop up, and hit dribblers. I think you need to give him his time down there and say, hey, do your thing the rest of the way. Work hard in the offseason. Come back and we'll be, excuse me, we'll be ready for you next year. 
and the Yankees might even start. They might even be losing a little bit of confidence in him. They sat him yesterday on Sunday. And I think maybe you could say it was because, you know, righty-lefty, but maybe they also didn't want him further embarrassing himself on national TV. I think that had a play in it. Funny thing was, he ended up finding a way to do so still at the end of the game there. Um, but he's just, he's not looking good. I mean, it's it's June 12th and he's batting a buck 80-something. His on-base percentage is in the 200s. He's not walking. He tries to pull everything he gets. He's got this giant uppercut in his swing. And all that's leading to soft contact. And that's if he makes contact. He's had some stretches where the exit velocity numbers were there. But it's kind of going back down again. The analytics are trending down. So you got to send him back down, I think. And some of you, <laughs> this, this should be a lesson to a lot of you who take spring training seriously. It's, it's comical. It really is. Every time you guys get hype over spring training. And I'll, and I'll shit on myself. I was calling this kid Alex Bregman and Dustin Pedroy. Like, he's not looking like that right now. Maybe someday. But, you know, what really, 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 really frustrates me among all things. It's just like, I don't want to start going down here again because I feel like I always go down this road every time the Yankees are struggling, but Cashman's mindset in the offseason as I go down this road. Um, we'll talk more on Cashman when we return from break. How about that? We'll head to our break, refresh, give you a second to, to take a breather before I maybe rant here, and then when we'll get back, we'll talk some uh, some Cashman and things. Stay with us. Be right there. BD4 episode 532. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 532 of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to BD4. Yeah, it's very frustrating the way that Cashman constructs this roster. Because you look at it, and the shortstop position has become a big problem for the Yankees. The last three years or so, they're not getting much production. And during that same time, the shortstop market the last three off-seasons has been star-studded with high-end talent. Historic, top-end talent, some would say. And I'm not telling you that Anthony Volpe will bust. I think there's something there. I think he could be something. With the speed he's shown, the athleticism, I think he could become a capable second baseman. Um, He's also shown a lot of power. He's shown the ability to pick up some big hits. So I think the tools are there. I think he could be a solid ball player. I won't give up on him being this maybe all-star, perennial all-star yet. That's silly and irrational to do that right now at this moment. You can have your, you know, your 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 uh, skeptical thoughts, sure. But I'm not going full force. He's a bust. I'm not doing that right now. Maybe on Facebook during the the game, it's like live in the game. Yeah, I'll be irrational. But I've told you all the time, 
Please don't take anything I say on social media serious during and after the game. Give me till this podcast to gather my thoughts. But here's my thing with the shortstop. The Yankees are supposed to be in this win-now mode. And they've been very hell-bent on passing up on all those star-studded shortstops in recent winters because they believe in Volpe. And at the time, and still now, I sit here and I always think now, I'm just, I'm like, as a win-now New York Yankees team, shouldn't you be giving away your unproven prospect shortstop and going after the short thing if you want to win now? If Volpe becomes Trey Turner, that's more than a win. If he becomes Xander Bogarts, that's more than a win. Xander. If he becomes Manny Machado, that's more than a win. Corey Seager, that's a win. Correa, that's a win. Those guys are all very elite shortstops already. Currently. You get them, and you're already spending, by the way, and you have yourselves what you think Volpe might become someday down the line. So I'm always on board with unloading every single goddamn prospect we have if that star is available, and they have been. Not once, not twice, but a number of them have been available in recent off-seasons. That's why people have these expectations for Anthony Volpe right off the bat. Because they know that the Yankees said, okay, we'll pass on Seager, Turner, whoever, because we're going to wait for this kid who's going to be legit. And he comes up and he bats 183 months into the year. And yeah, you're going to frustrate fans because we're a win now team. And you have the option. Plenty of them. But there's just no more with that. No more of that with the Yankees. Not now. There's no more do everything it takes to win right the fuck now mentality. I mean, just look at left field. Jesus Christ. Kind of the same thing. I mean, obviously it all started with passing on Bryce Harper because the Yankees had what they called a logjam out there with Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, Jacoby Ellsbury, and Aaron Hicks. That's why they didn't get Harper. But I'm looking at, you know, oh, I'm sorry, they wanted to stay under the tax, right? Because the Yankees can't afford to pay some, some fucking tax. But seriously, I'm looking at passing on left-handed hitter Michael Brantley two times in recent years. Brantley's a career 298 hitter. He's never striking out more than 76 times in a season. And he's played for 14 of them. I'm looking at passing Juan Soto. Last trade deadline. Career 284 hitter. A 17% K rate. He's a lefty as well. With great pop and excellent top-notch plate discipline. I'm looking at not wanting to give up a single thing for Brian Reynolds. Who's a career 281 hitter and a switch hitter at that. And a great defensive player. I'm looking at the Yankees not even bothering to make calls about Masataka Yoshida, a lefty, contact-hitting, 300-hitting Japanese import with pop in the bat made for Yankee Stadium. Comparisons to Juan Soto, by the way, and now we're seeing why. Nope, they don't get him. They pass on him, and what do they do? They let him walk where? To Boston. So what was their plan for left field? It was Oswaldo Cabrera and Aaron Hicks. One of them cut, the other just recently demoted because he'd been so bad. But now he's only back because of these injuries. So their outfield plan was designed to look like, what, one of those two, 
uh, Bader, Judge, and Stanton occasionally mixed in. Stanton missed an entire month. Now he's back. But now Judge is gone for the second time this year. Bader missed a month. He came back. He's now gone for a second time this year. And, and third time with the Yankees in less than two years. He might return this week. We'll see. I mean, the Yankee outfield is Billy McKinney, Willie Calhoun, and Jake Bowers right now. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is playing outfield. We have one natural outfielder on the current roster. One. It's June fucking 12th, and that's what we're trotting out there every night with this payroll? Billy McKinney, Will Calhoun, and Jake Bowers? And this could have been avoided. But these guys, they keep blaming injuries. Like they don't know the same number of guys keep getting injuries every year. Look at their history. You think Bader, Stanton, Judge, and them all of a sudden just got hurt this year and never have in the past? No, they've gotten hurt before. How does anyone look at that and and not think that Cashman has done a bad job? Like it's right there. It's right in front of us. Sure, he occasionally finds a diamond in the rough bat for two cents on the dollar and maybe he's decent at finding you know under-the-radar relief pitching. We give him that. But as a GM who is handed close to $300 million to work with every winter, he does the obvious, right? He goes after musts like Starling fucking Castro for Stanton. Obviously, you do that. You bring in Cole because you needed that ace. You bring back Judge because you needed to do that. Those were obvious have-to moves. You don't get credit for that. But after that, he fields a team that's just good enough around to make the playoffs Because the rest of it, they'll blame on it being a crapshoot, injuries. That's their excuse every year. It's built in. You beat up on small market teams. Wow, great job. Cincinnati, Oakland, you're 6-0 against them, and you're over nine games over 500 right now. Take those six games away, you're, you're mediocre as ever. A giant payroll. You're supposed to beat up on the bad guys. And you've had an easy cupcake schedule this month, and you're not doing much with it. The only series you've won this month was the LA Dodgers, actually. But you're looking at Tampa. They're in first place with a $2 payroll. Because they know how to build a team. They have a better analytics department. They have a better player development team. A better scouting team. So props to their GM for making lemonade. Meanwhile, Cashman's out here making piss water out of it. He's given $280 million, and he spends it on fossils, journeymen, and unproven prospects. So it just frustrates me. And you got Boone, who's not exactly helping, by the way. I mean, you'd think that the team that just lost the series to a terrible White Sox team, you got Yankees-Boston coming up, Judge just went down, Bader is already down, you're one game from dropping to fourth place. You'd think he'd use this time to go full force with everybody he has in this lineup. No. Torres sits on Friday, Rizzo sits on Saturday, and Stanton sits on Sunday. <laughs> Listen, Rizzo, you know, he doesn't play at all on, on, on Saturday. The Yankees win. You want to give him the mental day off. Whatever. I don't agree with it. But then you do Torres and Stanton. Outside of that. Now, they each got a pinch hit at bat. But still, those are six other at-bats right there between the two that could have helped the Yankees win those two games. Six at-bats they could not afford to lose. So now the Yankees are here. They are in third place on the verge of going fourth. 
closer to fourth than they are to second. And they got to make some moves. Um, if the market isn't open yet, and it's not really, there's nothing out there right now, then make some moves within because that's the best you could do at this point because you backed yourself into this corner. Get Austin Wells up here ASAP. If it ain't pretty by July, get Dominguez up here. I don't care. Get Rortfed up here. Get him back. Do they really think Kyle Higashioka is so talented? Like, it's a backup catcher who doesn't hit. Like, get Peraza up here ASAP. He does not belong in AAA. And with three of your infielders looking pretty horrendous this year, DJ Donaldson and, and uh, uh, what's his name? Volpe. Now Peraza's got a shot to crack a spot. It's got to change. Do something. And if the Yankees don't turn this around soon and find a way to win some games, maybe you got to think about selling. If they aren't in second place by the deadline, if they're still in third place on the verge of going to fourth place by the deadline or worse, I think you got to sell. I think you see what you can net for Bader, Severino, Torres, maybe Rizzo. Some of those expiring contracts or soon-to-be expiring contracts, see what you can get. But we know they won't. We know they're going to run it back over and over and over, and they're going to try, you know, try to you know put band aids on it and and have these makeshift lineups that they so often switch around. And listen, I'm not saying things are over yet. I get it. It's baseball, ups and downs, marathon, not a sprint, whatever cliche you want to throw at me. I understand that all that. Shit, the Yankees. Despite all this, this was funny because I looked it up this morning. I was like, whoa, they still have the sixth best record in baseball. That kind of says a lot how bad the league has been. I mean, at least in the American League, the Astros are underachieving in the West. Uh, the entire American League Central is garbage. I don't know what's going on in the NL, but I know the Mets are a bigger joke with that payroll. Um, but you got to be aggressive. That's my whole point on this. You can't just remain content. You can't just stay relaxed if you're the Yankees. You're nine and a half back from... Um, You're nine and a half back from first place, and you're an entire four games back from second place. And again, you're just one game back, I believe, from dropping to fourth place out of the playoff picture at the moment. I had a comment on one of my recent episodes, I think it was the White Sox series, actually, tell me basically to, to relax, they'll be fine, they'll make the playoffs. And I'm sitting here laughing because, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like, we shouldn't be having a conversation on June 12th on, on whether or not the Yankees will make the playoffs. The convo at this point in the year should always be, can they win the division? And I think, again, I think the division is over. Um, So that's not my conversation. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to overreact here. Because again, I still think the team, like it's the whole floor and ceiling thing with me. That's the best way I could probably put it, right? The floor and ceiling. The Yankees are a very unique team where I could see either scenario playing out. I could see them hitting an 88-win floor. Not good enough. But I could also see things working out and them finding a way, limping, scratching, and clawing to win 94-95 games and get second place. I think both of those scenarios are very possible. But that's why it's a little scary for some of us right now. Because that's the way the roster was built. Episode 532 of the podcast. We're going to wrap this up soon. When we return from break, 
we'll get overall, we'll run through our you know, tip of the caps. I don't like to, to go over them in detail when you have, when you come off a bad series like this. So we'll just list them. And then after that, we'll finish with our question of the day. And then we got an announcement to make for our next show. When we return, episode 532, BD4. Stay with us. Be right back. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 532 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. <clears throat> um, where are we? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll hand out a tip of the we'll hand out our tip of the caps. We'll give our we'll tip our caps to the players who've deserved this series. If you're new here. We, take, we tip our caps to three different players each series. One from the lineup, one from the rotation, and one from the bullpen. It's the three best players of the series in each. So among the position players, we're tipping our cap this series to Billy McKinney. Billy McKinney versus the, versus the Boston Red Sox. Three hits and 11 at-bats, two doubles. A run scored, two Ks, nine total bases. He's been hitting since he's come here. He's been getting a lot of extra base hits. He made a nice play this weekend. I like what McKinney has done in Judge's spot, ironically enough, with all that that's been going on. So, yeah. This is his first cap tip. And on the year, again, for the Yankees on the year, McKinney's batting 294 across five games with two doubles, a triple, and a home run for four of his five hits. Um, so Bill McKinney earns his first cap tip for the Yankees. Domingo Herman is getting my tip of the cap. Um, that should say verse Boston Red Sox, not VA. If you're watching uh, that graphic there, but against the Red Sox, he won six innings of one run ball. And he continues to pitch well. He's got the ERA on the season down to 349. He's been very good. Um, yeah. I've always been a, a Domingo Herman, the pitcher fan. Uh, I, I thought he's done a nice job whenever they call up on him. So, Domingo's figured something out. He's got that curveball working very well. It's effective. Um, so, yeah. He's got a 349 ERA. He's 4-3. And the whip is very good. He's limiting traffic on the bases, and he's being very efficient with the pitch count. Obviously, those two things go hand in hand. So Domingo Herman, six innings, one run against Boston, five Ks, six hits, gets the win. And then thirdly, yes, Clay Holmes is getting our tip of the cap. I'm tipping my cap to Clay Holmes. He continues to pitch well for the Yankees. Two innings this series, no runs, a couple strikeouts. Uh, a couple singles, but he gets the job done. Gets a save in one of those games. 
and a no decision in the other. Um, he's four and two with a 2.54 ERA, 28 in the third innings, 34 Ks. The whip's a little high because he's, you know, again, his command is not always great. He walks some batters, so he'll hit a couple batters. But um, Clay Holmes has pitched well. I just, I, I don't love him in that ninth inning closer role. I wish they'd stop that, but I'll give him credit right now because he's gotten the job done um, since, I guess, being demoted from the full-time closer role. And those are all, those are all of our tip of the caps. Um, and that's it for the episode. So we're going to wrap this thing up when we return from break. We'll get to our trivia question of the day and that'll be that. But I do want to make an announcement that at episode 533, which will be out after the Mets series coming up on Tuesday, Wednesday, um, I'll record that either Wednesday or Thursday, and it should be out no later than Thursday night. We're going to have a guest join us. Uh, Greg from Yankee Crazy Podcast has joined us. He's joined us a few times on the show. We've been on his show, Yankee Crazy Podcast, before a few times also. So he'll be rejoining us. We'll talk about the Yankees-Mets. We'll talk the state of the team. Um, and hopefully the Yankees have a sweep in their in their bag when we discuss baseball together. So we'll see. But Greg from Yankee Crazy Podcast will join us for episode 533 coming up on uh, either Thursday, Wednesday night or Thursday night. So with that said, we're going to wrap this thing up, get to our trivia question as soon as we return from our final break. Stay with us. BD4, episode 532. We'll be right back. Studio 69 Productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on. It's an online platform that will promote your content no problem. All you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast, and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. Just give me one second here. Do something on my phone. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 532 of the podcast. And we're going to wrap this thing up with our trivia question of the day. All right, so for this episode, episode 532, our trivia question of the day is, on June 11th, 2010, which Yankees pitcher threw his 3,000th career inning while also winning his 2,000th game, 200th game? All right. On June 11th, 2010, which Yankees pitcher threw his 3,000th career inning while also winning his 200th game? Right, on the screen it says Yankees game, but just ignore that. That was a mistake. On June 11, 2010, which Yankees pitcher threw his 3,000th career inning while also winning his 200th career game? 
So let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. And that's it. That is it for episode 532. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Hope you enjoyed the show. We went about 45 minutes, as we said, so that's perfect. And I'll see you in 533. Hopefully we're talking about a sweep against the Mets in a two-game set. But um, I don't know. Things are looking pretty rough. They got to figure it out. Guys got to step up. It's it's pathetic. It's ugly. And I'm not having... Uh, I'm not having a great time right now. I don't know about you, but I'm not having a good time. Um, again, it's it's hard to stay reasonable, but I'm trying my best to uh, because I know that it's still not early, but it's still baseball and there's still a lot of games to be played and a lot of things can happen. And it's not a crazy thing to say the Yankees are still capable of taking second place, um, but they have to take care of it. Guys got to step up without Aaron Judge, and, and we haven't seen proof of that yet. So I, I get the pessimism. I also understand the optimism to a degree. With that said, I appreciate you stopping by. Yanks lose the series, a gutless series against the Red Sox. Hopefully they bounce back, to, they, hopefully they bounce back against the Sewer Rats from Queens. And that's that. Later. Thank you for stopping by. I'll see you then. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.